Is the 2020 CrossFit Games the big goal right now? Uh, I'd say the big goal is winning the CrossFit Games. Um, and I would say there's not really a timeline on that, right? It's, it's doing what I need to do to be the very best with every given day I can. What that looks like on a very micro scale, you can just kind of extrapolate that further and further and further, right? And that's like, hey, making the right decisions eating wise, getting to bed at a good time. That's, hey, showing up for my training at the right time so I can warm up and cool down how I need to. And, working as hard as I need to and putting myself in environments that make me work as hard as I can. And so, yeah, all with this overarching goal, right, that I want to be the very best in this, right? And I, I think that's okay to do. Uh, that's something I actually, if I can be completely honest, I used to struggle with a lot. Like, hey, is that too selfish to want to be the best at something? And I, and I actually think that couldn't be more opposite. I think I've been, you know, that I have the talent. Obviously, I, I've been gifted with some talent for this and I have obviously a really big passion for competing um, and being an athlete um, and, and I'm finding I think I have some opportunity there too. Josh, thanks for joining me this morning, man. I know you are uh, always a busy guy and a lot of exciting things have just happened, but I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Hey, Charlie, I appreciate being here, man. Yeah. It's surreal. I always listen to these and always kind of see this as like, oh, it's so cool to hear another member's story or something. Never really thinking like I would be on the podcast. So hopefully it's good. Oh, man, it's going to be great. And I know our members are going to love hearing from you. And I think, you know, we all know what just happened. I mean, you had a couple big events in your life. Um, and I want to start by sharing with you. I don't think I told you this, but um, your grandmother posted what I thought was the absolute sweetest uh, picture of you and caption on oh Facebook. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I thought... And, she, and like any grandmother, kind of missed the mark a little bit on what was happening. Uh, uh, but it was like totally sweet I, and genuine. And I had this thought of, so for those of you that don't know, to kind of take, yeah, take yeah. where you left that off. Like She basically posted that I'd made it to the Olympics. <laughs> like in, in her mind, that's what I did. Which is... Not to knock the accomplishment, but it, it was not that. It was many steps below that. And um, so, yeah, I kind of had this crossroads. I was like, do I even correct this? Because, I mean, she just was so sweet about it. And it I just was, no, it, it was be. perfect. And, and I'm glad you didn't correct her because I, I honestly read that and I thought, man, this is this, you know, grandmother just loves her grandson and is so <laughs> proud of him. And so, you know, I, yeah. you know, a couple things, you know, shout she, out Gigi. <laughs> yeah, shout out. She mentioned, Graduating, which was again a huge accomplishment, yep. and then Thank the uh, sanctionals, you know, in Brazil. So um, that's going to be kind of the bulk of what I want you to share about. I want you to kind of share about your experience. Um, I, I know that you felt a lot of support from the gym, oh gosh. and you know, getting to try. You know, I want to talk about traveling to another country. I want to talk about the competition. I want you know, you were there with Casey, and obviously that was probably special. So just as much as you're willing to let us into that week of your life, absolutely, um, beginning with you know whatever it is that that journey started with. Yeah, I really try to be an open book, man. So nothing really off guard. I'll, and and I, this is something I've kind of consistently told people is I think I could talk about the competition for and everything leading up to it and after it like much longer than anyone can hold interest like because it was for me such a cool thing um and that's why it was so cool that people jumped on board to help you know before i could even ask well let's and let's start there like you know there was uh an event here at the gym yeah that was just to support you in your uh Travel, yeah, travel expenses along with any, you know, uh, I guess kind of like a fundraiser. So let's kind of start with that. You know, how did that make you feel and how was that event and, and all in between there? Yeah, so uh, just kind of the bare bones of what it was and how it happened. Um, I knew I was going to go out for the sanctional. I knew it was in another country. I knew it's in Brazil. And so I know that wasn't going to be cheap. And not trying to get too far into it, but uh, with my financial situation, I knew I don't have let's go to Brazil for a week kind of money. And so <laughs> I knew that something was going to have to happen for me to be able to do that. And I just trusted, hey, like if this is something that's on my heart to do and I feel like I have a good intercession of like talent, passion, and opportunity here, I'm going to follow this and what's meant to be will be and it's going to work out. And so that's essentially what I did. And so after I qualified, I still was not arguably not enough, even stressing what, where the finances are going to be. And, you know, I'm about three months out at this point and I'm kind of like turning my head. I have this big meeting. Um, 
with two people I worked with as coaches, uh, and Chris Rea actually in Houston, and we broke down all the details of the trip. And one of those things obviously was like how we're going to pay for this. And I had some ideas, right? Like maybe make a shirt, sell a shirt and not quite sure totally what I was going to do even leaving that meeting. And then before I really even could make any moves on that, I'm talking like within a week of that, um, I get approached by Casey, uh, my girlfriend, Casey, don't know Casey Mitchell. And she, um, basically tells me like, Hey, people have come up to her and like, they want to start a fundraiser. And it's not like, you know, a couple people, it's like, you know, like different groups of like five people and, you know, it's like 15 people total. And apparently I go to Chris and Chris has like had the same experience where people are just like going in. like before I could even ask before, like I had never even said, Hey, this is going to be a big expense. I'd kind of kept that a little more personal and people just were so good to step in and step forth and like offer before I could even ask. And, and that was really special. Like people I would never even have thought like yeah. cared. And I, and I want to kind of just comment on that. Like, I think that's just a testament to who you are and, and how you. much people love you here at the gym. And I, I mean, I had people coming to me and that was, you know, again, I, at a season when we were kind of coming back, but at the same time, that oh, was yeah. a big, like that was something that people really wanted to do for, for you. And it was so cool because, you know, just from like, I would say like even the owner of the gym, that was like a completely community led event. <laughs> you oh, know? absolutely. Meaning like there was z- like between, I, I, and I, not to highlight more people, some people more than others, but you know, a, a, a handful of people basically started this this thing and then it turned it just into grew i mean you had a hundred I, I i didn't come that day but you had like a hundred people here yeah it was it, huge it was really just surreal is the best word i have for it like it was and, and just in so many ways and and just to to backtrack as a side note right knowing that everything y'all were going through uh you and alicia and and obviously that was something that the community i think also really banded behind absolutely and, and it was really cool to me, I guess, uh, in a season where like maybe other people wouldn't normally have this is like the perspective it gave me going into something that was a really big success for me. And this is something where it's like exciting and there's even some nervousness. And I think that's all worldly stuff. Right. And to see how you guys were struggling, I think kept it a little more in perspective for me in that, like, I was like, Hey, you know, this is a really high time for me, but I need to be aware that like, you know, it's not for everybody else. And I need to be I act responsibly with this awesome opportunity I have. And and I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. that's that yeah. really did and, and was a thought for me and while you guys were going through yeah. that. And well, well obviously. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that and I think that like, you know, that's kind of a, a good thing for us all to constantly be aware of like whatever seems like a big deal to us in retrospect of what probably is happening might not be yeah. the most important thing. But at the same time yeah. it's like, man, celebrating that huge accomplishment, like I even you know, I was happy for you. Thank like, you. I, and, and, Thank you. And I think there's it, this is worth bringing up because I know you're very particular about your training. Like you even mentioned <laughs> having a meeting in Houston. <laughs> I did. Like with coaches for this. And so I don't know if everyone fully understands how serious you take your training. I've seen this <laughs> since the day you got here when you were literally about to start your freshman year in college. And I remember you upstairs like doing mobility for what was probably like 45 minutes at least. And I remember thinking to myself, man, this kid takes his training seriously. Because that's like, that's just warming. Like, I don't even call that warming up. You're just stretching. It's the pre-warm up to the warm up. Yeah. Yes. And and I and this was back when Matt Haynes was here because I know he was a big part of you coming over to the gym. He was. And, you know, and I want people to know that like, Josh has been taking his training very serious long before what probably we've even seen or the sanctionals or anything like that. Thanks, Joe. I'd like to think that too. Um, and so, so let's talk about the whole training for this because I yeah. think the qualifier was part of that, right? So you had to train for the qualifier. You had to do the qualifier. And then after that, after qualifying, what did training look like leading into the event? Yeah. timeline everything that you can expand upon oh yeah so leading up to even before qualifying right uh typical training schedule for me in like a 
uh, as I'm peaking for like what would be the season, right? Which you have this ill-defined season in CrossFit if you're competing in it um, as a sport and really trying to push the boundaries there where you have the open in the old school way it was regionals or I guess the really old school way it was sectionals, right? Um, but then it was regionals and you had the CrossFit games, right? And everything between the open and CrossFit games is like your season. And if at any part of that process you get out, right? Say you don't make it to regionals or say you don't make it to the CrossFit games, like then you kind of go into a little off season period, which is kind of where I find myself now. And you start ramping up the training again. And so that, that second piece after the off season is typically for me, something where I'm doing about two sessions in a day, normally uh, one, what you'd call like traditional CrossFit workout, normally some strength piece, some lifting, uh, <clears throat> and then a lot of skill and accessory work, right? Where I'm like working on, uh, just movements that I really need like a high caliber of focus, right? Whether it's the snatch or uh, a rope climb or a muscle up or something like that. Um, so here's a good question. Who works out more, you or Chris Rea? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, you know, a, a wise man once told me, and this wise man happened to be Chris Rea, that <laughs> if you can be in a room and you don't genuinely believe that you're the hardest working person in that room, there's a problem. So I think there'd be a big problem if I were to sit here with a goal as lofty as I have it of winning the CrossFit Games one day and tell you, oh, Chris works harder. So I'm going to go out and put myself there and say, hey, I work out more and I work you out know, harder. What an awesome. So that's okay. What an awesome like mentor Chris has been. An oh, yeah. example. You know, I think you guys feel Definitely off each a mentor. Other. So training. Friend. So So in the qualifier, kind of what I'm hearing is that was kind of training schedule leading up to it. You to know. it. Yeah, and, and then, then during the qualifier, you had how many workouts to do? Yeah, I, I believe, and I might be wrong on this, I think it was six over two weeks, um, and they're all video submission. You had a week, which is a really long time for these qualifiers. Typically, you have about a weekend, maybe three, four days, if you're lucky, um, but we had an entire week for three workouts, close a book on that the next week, and then the, the second week, you have a week to submit three other workouts. So what that essentially does opening that timeline up is you have to have like basically a perfect performance, uh, on these workouts because you know what someone else will, right? If they're doing the workout on Monday and then they do it again on Wednesday and they do it again on Friday, by that third iteration of it, they've really got down all the kinks. And so their score is a good reflection of like a perfect run for them. So that's essentially what I had to do is I spent two weeks doing the same basically six workouts. Um, and it, when I wasn't doing those, I was actively recovering from those, whether it was seeing someone at Alpha Sports or something like that, or doing my own kind of uh, recovery pieces and implements, um, sleeping and eating. And so that two weeks was pretty high stress. I, I went into it new and I, knowing that I could qualify and I had the pieces there, but it's, you know, the rubber's meeting the road at that point and, and you got to really just, it's time to show up. And so I want to help people understand too, like this particular event is one of is it 16 currently i think it's 16 or 17 okay that are uh qualifiers for the crossfit games and so you have and this is in brazil i mean you had people traveling in from all over the world correct Mm -hmm. um and they are in, in games athletes and so many people are trying to make it yes and so this qualifier is not just you know a big deal but it's the top athletes it's you know there's a lot of you know these 16 qualifiers or however many they are are have been positioned as a lot like what would be the regionals yeah of the current the current model of the crossfit games and so in that two weeks and you talked about like that's all you're thinking about those six workouts you're doing those workouts as often as you Mm -hmm. need to and you had to, what was your placement? Like, what was the necessary placement for you to make it? So you talk about, just a little backtrack on that, um, to elaborate, you, with these uh, sanctionals, right, with, that they're being called, uh, you're, you're kind of starting to see a shift in the competition field where the only people going out for these are really what used to be in the old system, like around top 50 or better athletes across the world. So you think like, it's a field of 500 that went out for this qualifier. I think a little more than that, um, which by means of CrossFit and qualifiers, like it sounds funny to say, but that's a small field. But that 500 was like comprised of the top 50 of all these different regions. And right, these really just super athletes going out. 
And so to qualify through that qualifier, um, you had to be in the top 26 of that, you know, 500 plus. Top 26 of 500 athletes. Yep. Josh, that's amazing. Thank you. And Thanks, so, uh, and, and I remember, you know, there's this epic video, right? Oh, I don't man. know what was more epic. You hitting this... Definitely not that. Ginormous squat clean. Definitely not the squat Or Chris Rea almost, hopefully, I mean, I'm glad he didn't injure himself out of excitement jumping all over the place. (laughs) He almost injured me out of excitement. (laughs) You kidding me? If if anyone has the music, go back and watch that video. I I all but fell over when he jumps on me and like over the weights. And like, a lot of people don't know this. The reason why he was cheering why he did is because I kind of injured my knee. Um, prior to that, so we weren't sure if I was going to be able to hit what I needed to. Um, and we knew that was about the weight I would need to hit to ensure that I qualified, right? Just based on how I'd done on all the other workouts, right? That was the six one I had to really do. What was the weight? Um, that was just 317. 317, 317 pounds, squat yes. clean, or clean. Yeah, squat, squat clean, squat clean. And that was basically what sealed the deal for you to, to make yes. it? Yes, and in the moment... He knew that. I knew that. Um, obviously, you overcome the adversity of the knee. Like, just to elaborate a little more on that, I uh, that was at a point where I like on Friday had to use some connections I had at, at uh, the Central Texas Sports Medicine Clinic um, to go get injections in my knee, and I got uh, uh, cortisone shots in my knee because it was so uh, number one inflamed, but it, it was to the point where I couldn't really bend it or walk on it very much, and so I went from that on Friday to doing squat cleans on Sunday, which maybe talking about health, like was not the best call, but for the sport of it, sometimes you got to do stuff. Well, like and you know, that to me again is just a, and I remember that, you know, yeah. and I remember kind of, you know, just being concerned, right? Like I was concerned it, too. Is this, so thank you, you know, <laughs> I, I was concerned because I didn't want you to do serious damage, you yes. know? And, but I think that's kind of where like, that's just showing how passionate you are about what you do. Right. That's just showing how, you know, how, how uh, driven and, and motivated you were to Thanks. do this. And, and again, if it's, if it's not to an unhealthy state, then maybe it's yeah. not, you're not as passionate as you think. And I, you know, we could, that's a whole other conversation a whole, for another yep. podcast, but just, just to, you know, make this very abundantly clear, uh, I, I probably care the most about my own like health and well-being and longevity than like anyone in the whole world. So I had consulted not just with the docs at Central Texas Sports Medicine. I consulted with Dr. Ben. I called some people that I knew from back home. Like I, I probably consulted about six different people saying like, hey, if I get this shot, number one, is that going to give me long-term damage on my knee? Number two, if I go into this competitive thing I'm going to be trying to do and I would explain to them what I'm doing – is that going to be potentially harmful? And what I got was an overwhelming, hey, it's going to hurt a lot, but I don't think you're at risk for further injury. And so that's why I decided. Yeah, to you wanted to do the wise thing. Yes, of course. Perfect. So, okay. So uh, immediately you knew you qualified and yes. then it became official. Yes. And where did you end up on the qualifier? You know, I I don't know quite exactly. I think some people might have been DQ'd. I'm not sure why, like maybe videos submitted. So I think when you go back and look, it's like 18th or 19th. Um, I had always thought it was 20th place uh, out of 26. So I'm not sure. Not, you know, obviously at the way top, but, you know, right. Yeah, and that's about how many days or months, weeks out from the event. Yeah, so by the time I'm actually like legitimately confirmed, hey, you're in um, and I, you know, pay my entrance fee and all that. Uh, it was probably two months prior to the comp. And by that time, I'm already like full scale training for the event, which looked very different than training for the qualifier. Yeah. So that's kind of the next piece is what is like full, what, what did, what did that next two months look like in training? Yeah. So I kind of went from trying to peak for almost a, a, a low skill, high output test with that qualifier because most qualifiers are something that are a little more open to the masses um right and that's for easy judging standards and like high signups and all that and then the event you know it gets very specific so there's stuff that like i've kind of had on the back burner that i really like doing that i got to do like uh running um i was running twice a week on a track or going for distance i was 
started swimming. I, I ride it when I qualified. I Googled the venue, which I felt like was kind of smart, uh, and got a satellite, like Google Earth image, and you could see there's an arena adjacent to a track and field, adjacent to like a natatorium, like an outdoor swimming pool, Olympic-sized swimming pool. And so I started practicing running and swimming a lot because I feel like those are easy points to make up on people that aren't practicing that. A lot of CrossFitters that are competing are not. Um, so it became a lot of training there, a lot of training with heavy and odd implements. So like I got a big 200-pound sandbag that I started carrying around, a big blue one that maybe people have seen in the shed. Uh, I bought a rope after that fundraiser, which we'll get to, I guess, in a bit. Um, or I, we might have already talked about it. I, I'll just blurs together. But I bought a rope that I could use as almost like a cutoff rope. I was uh, doing a lot of sleds and just a lot of things that maybe you wouldn't see in a normal CrossFit class that are going to appear in an in-person competition. And right? you, and, and let's expand on your, you have a coach. I do. Who writes your programming. Yes. And you Connor just Martin. follow, yeah, you follow everything that Connor writes yeah. to a T. Yeah, shout out Connor and Compete Elite. Uh, it, I follow that to a T with the asterisks of if I am, you know, obviously not feeling well or like in a semester, say I got a big test coming up. I'll modify shift work around as I need to, but generally I would say 99% of what's getting written for me is done exactly how it's written and like with the intention of which it's written. Um, now, are people at the level that you're competing at, are they all following like a coach's programming? Um, it's a mixed bag. I, I would say more, more than not. Uh, you got kind of, it's almost becoming an old school mentality now as a, of like I show up to the gym and I do what I feel. Uh, for a long time, I think that was Rich Froning's way. And I think now he collaborates with some people, uh, kind of, you know, making it a little bit more balanced out. And that's just so we kind of hit the variance we need to be able to compete at a really high level and not have any holes. The reason why I have a coach is I think probably the reason why most people do. And it's that that gets to be a really time consuming thing to do on your own. And if you can have someone else balancing that for you, you start to lose some of the bias you might put into your own programming, right? Like, or, um, not to say I wouldn't want to work on my weaknesses or anything, but it, there does become a point where like you could forget about stuff or like, Hey, I haven't overhead squatted in two weeks. And if I can shift that off on somebody else between me looking at it as I'm doing the program and him doing it, and there's a constant feedback, uh, it's a lot more balanced. In that what, way. what does that relationship look like between you and Connor uh, and what I'm trying to help people understand is like, you know, again, you're doing this at a very high level. Um, what, what, you know, do y'all communicate daily? Is there, yeah. like, I mean, is it like you're, in, you know, are you training with him times? Like what in peak training time, like prior to the event, you know, I'm getting, you know, six, sometimes North of six hours in the gym a day, just split up. Um, and often doing two to three sessions, uh, basically every, minute I wasn't studying uh, or eating or sleeping or coaching here at the gym, I was working out um, or recovering from that workout. And I'm conferring with Connor often multiple times a day, uh, whether it's through video or um, just texting kind of how things went. We have this cool platform online that uh, I can go in and I can kind of write up notes on how different pieces went that I know he's kind of reading in after I do. And then he, he'll reach out to me and say like, Hey, I saw you said that you broke this set of chest to bar. Why'd you do that? What was the thought? And so then he can adjust training. Like maybe my chest to bar were not super good after a lot of shoulder fatigue. And so now we're going to start hammering that. And so it's this constant like course correction and, uh, you know, feedback that I'm giving him and that he's kind of relaying back to me based on what I'm telling him. Yeah. And you're putting a lot of trust in him. Oh yeah. Oh, that yeah. he's going to prepare you adequately it's for, a huge piece. for the biggest event of your life, you know, yeah. for CrossFit competition. Yeah. And so, um, looking at it now, did you feel like you were adequately prepared for the event in, in your fitness? Um, and Interesting question. I think um, I was as prepared as I could have been with everything we knew at the time, right? I, obviously, the hindsight's twenty twenty, and I can look back and be like, man, if I had, uh, for example, there's a snatch event that I didn't do quite as well, and 
I took a little bit of pressure off the Olympic weightlifting to focus on some odd objects, which we definitely had in that competition. We had more odd objects than we did have barbell. Um, odd objects being like sandbags and dumbbells and kettlebells and farmer's carries and stuff like that. Uh, and so if I could go back, I would have still emphasized like Olympic weightlifting a little more. And so in that way, I felt like a little underprepared, but that's not to the faults of myself or of Connor, of anybody. That's just, we did the best with the situation that we knew to do. No, and I, and I think the, the reason I asked the question too is I want to also have people understand how hard it is to train for an event and like even to be a if coach. It's so broad, yes. Yeah, to be a coach is a, is a difficult because now, you know, it's uh, Ben Bergeron's podcast, you know, he talks about whenever Katrin got fifth at the games after she had won twice in a row and he basically took full responsibility because she didn't win. He said, we did not train hard enough. We kind of went back, you know, to three Pete yep. and really just, and he, he took full responsibility. And I think that was, you know, again, just it, following that podcast and just seeing that relationship has helped me understand this relationship between like a coach and an athlete, athlete in the sport of CrossFit and how much harder it is for those coaches to train these athletes because they have no idea what is going to get the workout that you're going to get. Yeah. And they have to prepare you truly for whatever it is that, you know, we obviously have some areas that we know are going to be present. Like you said, I know there's going to be a pool. I know there's going to be a track. Yep. I know there's going to be a rig, but it's like, other than that, like, you're just training for whatever it is that's going to, to get be thrown. prepared for. Yeah, anything. and so for Connor, even um, it, it's you know it's a it's got to be a big challenge, you know. And obviously, you guys have a great relationship. Yeah, he's been coaching you for years. Four now. years. Now. Yeah, four years now. So you, yeah. I think there's a ton of value in having that person that knows you very well, yes. who can kind of not just physically but psychologically kind of yeah. help you manage your your head during this season, right? I mean, yeah, that, there's a piece of that too. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know this. I've actually lived on and off of Connor's couch at like multiple points in the last <laughs> four years. Uh, sometimes for, you know, up north of like a month and a half and stuff like that. Uh, especially like, you know, first few years I was up in College Station. I was going, taking long breaks to go back over there and train. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm definitely not, I would much rather be sitting in the position I am in than be in Connor's shoes because that's a ton of pressure, right? And that goes for any coach, like you said. Uh, but going back to the event and, and whether or not I felt prepared for it, um, ultimately, I, I walked into that event, um, you know, just fully confident and fully prepared in the way that was like I truly believe, and I still believe this, like my best was good enough to win it, right? And I think I trained to win, right? You play to win the game. And regardless of, like, I finished 18th, for those of you that don't know, out of 32. So definitely that's not winning it outright. But um, I think it's something where not only, like, should athletes think like that, I think you have to think like that, right? Yeah. And I heard you had mentioned to people, like, you felt in the best shape of your life. Like, I did. You felt, I did. like... I still do. <laughs> you felt healthy. You know, like, all those things to say. And I think that's, again, a testament to the programming that you, yep. you've been following. And, yeah, again, I think after so... After after the fact, you can say, "Oh man, there was this thing that if I had trained it, it'd have been better," you know. Yeah. And so, um, okay, so now let's go to the actual competition. Competition, getting on a plane for however many hours you were on a plane. What was that like? Give me like the beginning of that journey. Yeah. So, I uh, there was that. Again, can't speak enough like how supported I felt like. I feel like I haven't spoken enough about how supported I was by everyone that organized that fundraiser and just like and even those that didn't just like reached out or like people wrote me cards like saying good luck and it was just just overwhelming, right? Because this is people like I, you know, I genuinely feel care care about and it might sound funny to some, you know, the five people that are watching Chris, Casey, and then Chris again. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I genuinely, everyone I'm meeting out here on the floor, like I consider them my friends and people I feel invested in their lives and I like want to see them do really well. So it was cool to kind of almost have the reverse on that. And so there was this big fundraiser, right? And some things, there was some like travel woes and some 
crazy circumstances that ended up that like I had to spend a lot more money on the flight than I thought I was going to have to, um, and much later than I thought I already had. And that's a whole nother story, not really worth getting into, but there were these big travel woes, right? And I'm on a plane for 10 hours and then my card wasn't quite working right when I got there, even though they knew I was going to be traveling. So I didn't have any money and, um, like some where I was staying fell through and it was this giant whirlwind where essentially it ended up in me doing like a 36 hour fast and like no sleep either. Like, you know, two days before I do this competition. So I was, it was pretty wild. Um, but that all kind of was something that I never felt like I really lost my head or lost my cool. I was like, okay, fine. We're going to adapt and overcome. And you know, at the end of that 36 hours, I had a giant double meal of like, basically a whole entire chicken and veggies and rice and got a giant like 11 hour sleep night after that. And I felt right back on track, uh, mostly. And it, it would not have been, uh, without people, number one, providing for me in that fundraiser, right? I wouldn't have made it to Brazil without them. And I wouldn't have survived once I got there without them. And then people, when all those kind of travel woes started to happen, uh, you know, reaching out and, and figuring out ways to help me from back here in College Station or Houston, right? Um, so yeah, shout out, shout out those people. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah. So basically, sounds like the, like it was kind of a crazy little three day period to, crazy. to get there. Yeah. And, and you know, and it, it, that's awesome that you didn't have to stress about finances during that time or just you know. Those. I would say I didn't stress about finances. <laughs> Definitely, there was some stress. But that stress was quickly answered, is yeah, what I would say. That's awesome, man. So, so what uh, when you get there? And Casey went with you. Is Casey that- went with me. Um, for those of you that uh, remember Quinn Petty, shout out Quinn. Oh yeah, I saw the picture. Um, he was there too. Quinn right? Petty. This is a cool story. You like take notes if you are interested in being a good friend to your friends, right? Like celebrate their accomplishments, and that's something like I like that has touched me going forward. And so like that's not something it's not a knock on anyone. It's just a highlight of Quinn where I don't know anyone else that like I qualified. I don't even think he knew I was going out for this. He's just so, so much of a fan of this CrossFit stuff that he saw my name on the list of people that qualified for the sanctional in the day they released that he calls me and he's like, man, I'm going. And I don't even know what he's talking about. I'm like, are you going where? Like, what are you, you're going somewhere. He's like, dude, I'm going to Brazil. Like, let's do this. Like I'm going, I'm like, dude, that is awesome. That is so cool. And so like right away he was on board and he's talking about, he has a really serious longtime girlfriend, Jillian, that you may remember. Yeah, I remember Jillian. Um, shout out Jillian. And so he got Jillian on board. They really love and have wanted to travel and they now have, you know, full-time jobs. And so they have the means to do that. And so, yeah, they paid a spot and booked their flight. Like before they, they had everything kind of in all the details settled before, I could even like ask him if that was all squared away. Like they were so ready to go and it was cool. Obviously him being there and him supporting me and him getting to take this vacation with his girlfriend. Like, cause for him, it really was that it was just, it was the coolest thing ever in the world. Yeah. So you had a little fan club, I had a little <laughs> fan club. I had a, a Ben Bumgardner, super big supporter of me since he got here. And, and I try to be of him as well. Um, and, and Suzette, uh, back at alpha sports he wrote it off as a business expense to send jess stringer who's running the soft tissue side uh, of his clinic to brazil with me so he paid that all like in full so i had them connor martin went with me for a long time chris was even talking about going and then i think he realized oh wait i have three kids that's not going to work out so well um to be gone for a week well let's talk a little i mean i know i want to keep going about the event but you mentioned ben and i know that you are at alpha sports every week shout out alpha sports yeah, yeah and I, I mean obviously for them to have somebody travel with you to help that's like, crazy what that's does awesome. you know that's a side of this that a lot of people don't really understand or know about is that yeah. you know this is whether it's a recovery whether it's a, a repair like what would you Describe to me a little bit about what how the Alpha Sports fits into your training. Oh yeah, man. Um, go to Alpha Sports once a week uh, in hard training. You know, like you know, leading the six months leading up to that, or six months, six weeks leading up to that BCC event. Uh, I'm on the Alpha Sports table, oftentimes multiple times a week, and it's getting adjusted. It's getting soft tissue stuff worked on. It's anything. Hopefully, I have addressed it either in my own mobility work um, or with them, 
anything that's starting to become a problem, right? And we're getting anything that feels like it may become a problem. Like, like, hey, my elbows are pretty sore today. Could you help uh, kind of loosen up some of the tissue around there? And it's sure. And you're being really proactive to make sure that you don't encounter any injuries. And obviously, that's never a perfect process. I think anyone that's training super hard for anything will have nagging aches and pains. But they're helping mitigate that to where they don't become more serious problems. Uh, and, and honestly, if it wasn't for people like that, and, and um, I had a really good friend of mine now, uh, Christy Lee, shout out Christy Lee Code, uh, from CORE, also kind of balancing that out, right? So I wasn't always on Alpha Sports. She kind of helped me out too. She works with, she's actually going to the Olympics in Tokyo uh, in 2020 to help out the Olympic track team. And between all these people, I was able to, like I even got massage from Krista, I was able to make sure my body's staying fresh with the crazy amount of work I was putting it through. Um, Sounds like you and had, so yeah, uh, so that's kind of yeah, how that fits yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. I had I, I didn't know that they actually had somebody go with you. Yes, and you're getting worked on. I think I saw a Theragun in a picture or something. Yeah. So so a funny a yeah. funny thing on that that I wanted to mention. So they they had these awesome like athlete coordinators that they normally have at the event, which basically they're like a liaison to anything you can need. There was a guy that needed an Uber. He hooks him up with an Uber, right? And so they know you're in another country and they want to make sure you're taken care of. They'll give you literally anything you need and, and hook you up uh and so one of the guys there's two of them shay and vivi and shay uh he told me going through the field of all the athletes including the teams like it's like there's only one person that has an entourage that's more than just like one or two people and that's you you have the giant like the biggest posse i've ever seen i was the, like the, the american <laughs> <laughs> well there are a lot of americans there but he was just like He's like, man, I've never seen. It. I was like, dude, that's just a testament to the good people around me. Like, I, I don't know how that happened either. And it was just, awesome. it was a funny thing where it's like, you know, some people had like, you know, a person or two with a pass, and I had like six people around me like cheering for me. And by the end of the event, I, I'd made friends because I speak fluent Spanish, and that's only a hop, skip, and a jump away from Portuguese. And so I was picking up some Portuguese. Um, so I was able to kind of talk to everybody there, and whereas most people couldn't. Um, and so I made some friends with like the volunteers and stuff. And they told me this funny story. I didn't know this after the fact, but I had my whole group watching my last event. And then I guess behind them, they had saw the shirts that said Godinez that they were wearing, which is my last name. And they, they were like these Portuguese speaking volunteers behind them. And they kind of like looked back and they were clearly like saying like, go Josh and all that. And so I think someone turns to them and they're like, oh, do you know Josh? Like not really knowing who they are. And they're I don't know who this was for sure. I have a theory, but like it was about like also like four or five people and they're like, Oh yeah, Josh is big in Brazil. We love Josh. And I was like, <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, um, I love that. So yeah, like that lame thing kids say like, Oh, I'm big in Japan. Like I'm yeah, big in Brazil. I big guess. in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. There's like posters in Brazil now. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. So, so let's like the event and I know you've competed at regionals. Yes. And you team. know, a lot of people listening may or may not know like the transition CrossFit made, but mm-hmm. like, you know, how does this event compare to regionals from oh, what you've man. been to? It's, it was every bit of a, of a souped up regional. I'd say it's a stepped up regional. I thought the field of competition was actually a little bit stronger than what I'd seen being at regional. And, and that probably speaks to two things. Number one, the sport has progressed. It's two years later since I've been there. Uh, and then number two, I think, where you don't have any barrier. There's no like regional barrier on who can sign up for these things. So you have people from all over the United States. You have people from all over the globe. We, I made a good friend from Canada. I made another good friend from the UK that were other competitors that were really good. Like, uh, for example, I think the guy from the UK was the sixth fittest man in the UK this, this wow. last year. And, um, yeah, like they, they're not barred to entry for, anyone based on where they live. And so they, they end up being a really high level of competition. I was worried this being the first event they kind of put on in Brazil, um, that maybe it wouldn't be as well run or something. I I just, I wasn't sure what to expect. And so I actually had kind of tapered expectations on like, Hey, they might not have everything set to a T. Uh, I think a good example of a well run competition is shout out BCS classic. And I was not, what, what I was, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stepping down my expectations like maybe we're gonna be off time there's gonna be equipment issues and 
honestly, it was anything but that. Like, I, I was so impressed uh, the night before the competition started, Thursday night, uh, or, or I think it was even Wednesday night. I was out hanging out at the venue, just kind of checking it out, walking the grounds, and I got to talk to the event coordinator, and there's two. There's one in Brazil. There's one that kind of flew in, and um, Carlos is in Brazil. Jobs was from away from Brazil, and I didn't know this, but Jobs ran two other sanctionals, and he was for... I think every year since they moved to the Stuff Up Center or at the Stuff Up Center, he ran the field events at the CrossFit Games, the big soccer stadium. So uh, he coordinated athletes, volunteers, rogue volunteers, and crowds. And that entire little section was his world and his domain, and he made sure things went without a, t- without a hitch. And, yeah, and so I guess, like, just his experience alone. From, like, a, from a media side, it definitely looked like, man, these guys know what they're doing. yeah. You know, just again, pictures on Instagram and Facebook and, and live streams. It felt like it was it was professional for, for a first us. year, like you said, like yes. not knowing what to expect. And it's just impressive. And I think it's it's either just been modeled so well by CrossFit, mm-hmm. and then now that other people are having these sanctionals, it just feels like everybody's elevating their game. Yeah, no, and it, it was it was never off time. It was never. It was just so well run. Like we never spent like. When sometimes in these competitions, you can spend like 30 minutes in a corral before the event. So like post warming up, you're waiting to walk onto the floor. You have, you're in these little like corral things and then you have to go onto the floor. Well, a lot of times like if the competition's not really run really well or their timeline's not completely squared away, you can sit in that corral for a really long time. But that didn't happen, right? I think the most I ever had to spend there was like five minutes, which is – that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, because you're um, ready to go. Yes, you're ready to go. You're warm. Um, yeah, like I – I felt like the athletes were taken care of. I, I didn't see any major like, oh, these judges are not prepared. Like it, I think they tried to get former regional judges in throughout the kind of Latin America region. Um, was it crowded? Like did, was there a lot of people that came out? Yes. And it's a funny story actually. I, I feel like – I don't know if I did, but I was told I did. I was talking to Jobs because I would made friends with them by, you know, about like day two of the competition. I some people watching back home on the live stream had said, man, it looks really empty on the field and I, I, on the, in the arena. And I was like, man, it's not like there's a ton of people. And so I asked, um, Jobs, I was like, Hey, like I was told this and they think it's weird. And I could see it's cause the way they had the camera set, you saw behind the rig where no one wanted to sit cause you can't see the athletes. I was like, is there any way you can move mm. the cameras? So that way you can still see the athletes, but also see the crowd. So it doesn't make the vent look super lame. He's like, man, that's a good idea. I didn't know that. And like, I was told they changed it. I don't know if they did. Um, he seemed really happy with that feedback. And yeah. So, no, that's awesome. Man. Yes, there so, was a lot of people there. So, so let's talk uh, favorite event. What was your favorite workout? Oh, man. Favorite favorite workout going into it was what I thought would be was different than the one that I actually kind of looked back and was my favorite. I think my favorite was event two. That was one that I thought on paper would be my worst workout and actually ended up being one of my better ones. Uh, and it was a 17-minute just kind of grinder of uh, you had 25 pretty significant deficit handstand push-ups on uh, parallettes. You had 50 chest-to-bar, and then you went into five rounds of five two-dumbbell hang-to-overhead um, with the 70-pound dumbbells. So you're taking it from a hang to your shoulder overhead five times uh, with a 70-pound, and then 10 two-dumbbell box step-overs, right? So you're holding two dumbbells any which way you want to and stepping over the box. Uh, to the other side and doing that 10 times. So five rounds of that dumbbell piece. So you had a 17 minute time cap on it in training. I never actually finished that event. Um, I think the closest I got was two reps away. And then on the competition floor, I ended up shaving over three minutes on my time on that. And it was just, I don't know. I thought like I was really locked in. I was present. I had a healthy amount of awareness where everyone was around me. And I just, I don't know. I think I just really was able to push really hard. I I joke with my coach a lot and it's kind of been a thing we say for years now is like, I feel like I'm very much a game day athlete. I think that comes from playing like team sports, like football, but it's something about that competitive scenario where it's kind of man to man. I just, I I love that. That's my favorite. Like it gets me, I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure competing side by side these <laughs> yeah amazing athletes just raises the level of for sure competition for you and so that event with as long and drawn out as it was really gave me an opportunity to feed off that kind of competition and so i think that's where i had that massive improvement from was because i just knew i was 
I knew I had more in the tank than the guys next to me, at least in my heat. And so I was able to pass up a lot of guys in the last couple rounds of that dumbbell work. And I was really pumped about that. And then a really cool thing on that event is, uh, like right when it started to get real, if you know what I mean, like right when it started to really set in, like, Oh, this is a hard workout. Cause it was, uh, a song and I'm not always super present with the music, but, uh, it just, I don't know. I was on a break and it just happened to notice it, thankfully. But it was a song that always plays here, an ACDC song, comes on the like loudspeakers. And I'm like, okay, we, it's just like we're back in the gym. Oh, we can yeah. do this. It was like a Chris Rayo playlist song. So I was like, <laughs> thank goodness. And so, yeah, that, that um, I don't know if anyone yeah. would have noticed that but me, but I was really pumped with that. And then I had obviously the little corner of people with me cheering for me. And it was just, man, it was just such a cool thing. I, what yeah. was the workout, the event that you had the best placement in? Ooh. You know, I need to go back and look. I'm not sure. I haven't really dived into the leaderboard at all. I think it was either the very first workout, um, which I was the most prepared for, uh, was a row swim workout. Um, or the last one was something that just plays to what will always kind of be my strengths. Uh, gymnastics. Uh, it was a couple of muscle-ups and handstand walking um and it was one of those two the row one uh the row swim one was something where i grew up around water i i I think i'm a strong swimmer but i'm not a very technical swimmer at least i wasn't i think i kind of grown to be a little more now um so right when i back when i googled the venue saw the swim i started swimming literally what started to be about three times a week and that whittled out to with it with about eight weeks to go. I was swimming about every day. Um, and I found, you know, it speaks again to the CSCF community, right? Like I, I didn't even feel out of place. I I found out, uh, shout out Lori Cottle and her family. They have a, like basically a half a lap pool in their backyard. It's 12 and a half yards, which is half the length of a normal pool. Um, and so I got that. I got Rob Crowley to lend me a rower that he had pulled it out there when they released, there's going to be a row in that event. And literally practice rowing and swimming in some different combination every single day before I'd come to the gym. Like, and I would spend about 40 minutes in Lori's pool, basically as a warm up, uh, which is literally, I could walk there from the gym in five minutes. And I would move from that pool and go into my training session. And so there was just a ton of hard work and it reflected and I think that was one of my highest placings. Would you say that like the rowing and swimming, was that <laughs> like, did you even call that a workout or was that just like, I do that first thing in the morning just because I know there's <laughs> row swim. Because it was the first event, I would definitely call it a warm up work workout. I, uh, it was 20 minutes long. Um, well the time cap was 20 minutes. And so obviously your goal is to be under that time cap. And most athletes actually were not, most athletes got capped out, um, but I knew I could finish under the time cap. I actually did a lot worse in the event than I probably am capable of because the very first round, I did something that uh, one of the competitors, Z.A. Anderson, shout out Z.A., told me it's called an adrenaline dump. And I've heard that phrase before, but I've never experienced it. We're basically like, I guess I just got too big for the moment. I don't know. I, I was really excited. So I'm rowing and I try like, I literally could not feel my body. Like I can't explain it. Like it was just, I'm here now, I'm competing. And like I was rowing and I was rowing like to, for that event, my pace, I already kind of knew going into it was needed to be about a 145. And if I dip faster at 145 per 500 meters, I was going to blow up and I'm looking at the rower. I can't feel my arms or legs and I'm rowing a 130 pace for oh. the first 200 meters and I can't slow down. I'm looking at ZA, ZA is rowing a 146 and you know, he's a professional just taking it easy. And I'm like, this is bad. And so I try to make myself slow down. I can't feel my arms or legs. <laughs> and like, so I slow down and then my rower says 206, which is way too slow. And so then I try to speed up again. And it's like 125 and it was back in the two minutes. So that first row was like this whole string of like fast, slow, fast, slow. And then I get into the water and I'm the first athlete in the water off the rower and I'm not the biggest athlete and I'm not the best rower in the field. And so like me realizing, oh my gosh, I just was first off that row. This is bad. I, it was bad. And, and so it took about 50, uh, 50 meters into that swim before I was like really just heaving. And that first swim was the worst swim of the whole workout because I was just so blasted and I had to kind of recover from that. 
And thankfully, I've trained to the point where I'm able to do that. But yeah. Yeah. And I think just for people to understand, like in that moment, you are literally having to adjust Yes. On the fly, you know, yeah. and this is like heart rate jacked and yeah, <laughs> breathing yeah. and all of it. And just, you know, you have five rounds, right? So five rounds of it. So that was round one. So fortunately you're, you're, you know, and that's just, again, when you train, like you train and you understand your body and you know, all these things, man, it's like, you're doing, it's like they say Michael Phelps when he won the Olympics and fastest time i think it was a butterfly and he got yeah. water in his goggles yeah but he knew exactly how many yep. strokes yep. to the turnaround even though he couldn't see and that's because of the you know the training you yes put in. and it's like in those moments where nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine of us would have probably had a panic attack <laughs> yeah you know uh you course correct like you said so yeah that's cool, man. So, okay, so let's talk. So, I mean, you know, again, we could, I feel like we could, go ahead. We could talk about the event um, and all of the uh, events individually, but for the sake of hopefully these people, oh, I want these people to start like asking you individual questions after listening of like, hey, you know, this oh, and that. Man. But but for the sake of here, you know, uh, not talking for the next two hours because we could. Oh Let's gosh, talk about that after even. No, no, I could for sure. Let's talk about the after competition. So, let's go into what was how many days you get in Brazil? Like, yeah, what'd y'all do? Spent two and a half days after the competition. Um, remember, I was having all those travel woes before. Uh, really, when the tide started to turn, I uh, it, it, it happened to be a moment when I met, I walked into a gym because it's. It was, I'd already been there for a day, gotten that big night of sleep, and obviously I still don't feel super great, don't really have a ton of money um, at the time, and I go to a CrossFit gym that they were going to let competitors drop in for free, and so I, I go there in the middle of the day, the next day, and um, I run into this guy, and he has a big Texas printed on his sleeve, and then he, it's a Skyline, and I know Skyline, shout out Skyline CrossFit in uh, Houston. And I just like basically wanted to go and hug him. I was like, thank God. So from Texas, it speaks English. Like this is awesome. Um, and it turns out he was from Canada and he had just dropped in in skyline, but he was, uh, his name was Kyle Kant and, uh, his girlfriend slash coach type figure, Jalisa was there as well. And so they were the only two people really in the gym working out and he let me jump in on his training. And then like, I don't know. I guess I ended up like grabbing dinner with them. I was the only person I knew in Brazil. And so just hung out with the only other two people I'd met in Brazil. And so like hung out with them that night at their hotel and like walk, got back super late to my hotel. And like basically in every day I hung out with Kyle and Jaleesa and they just became part of my posse. Like Jess out from Alpha Sports, shout out Jess. She uh, ended up working on Kyle um, at some point during the competition and I kind of asked her to do that cause they were just so nice to me and like really like, it was just so nice to have people like at that point, um, when it was a lot of travel stuff was going on. And, and so anyway, so they told me they were planning on going to the beach. We knew we also wanted to go to the beach. Quinn and Jillian were also staying and obviously Casey was staying. Uh, and so we went to this beach called Guarja, um, which I probably mispronounced, but it was, uh, about two hours away from where the venue was via an Uber, which the Uber only came out to like 55 bucks US, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, we spent two and a half days out there and dropped in on some CrossFit gyms, ate some good food, uh, went to some cool like beachside restaurants and just like got in the water a whole ton, which is my very favorite thing in the world. Like it was, it was awesome. Um, mm. And, and made what I think will be some pretty lasting friends. And like those, I kept, I keep referring to them as the Canadians, but, uh, uh Kyle and Jaleesa. Uh, and so, yeah, that was kind of how we spent the, the last two days or two and a half days after the comp. I'm sure that was a good way to kind of wind down. Oh my gosh. The, yeah. Yeah. So it's fun looking now, I guess, it, I don't know if you would do this, but with your coaches, was there like a debrief or have you kind of like, had oh, yeah. an opportunity to kind of debrief the event in your head and kind of like think about not just how it went, but like where, where are you at now? And, you know, that is over. Where to? What's next? Yeah. So like I think it is super important to debrief something like this, especially 
something you worked so hard for, right? Um, Because that is something that, like, immediately after every event, literally, I was talking to Connor. It's like, okay, what went well? What went bad? Let's go through that really quick. And then, and that was event by event, kind of doing that. And then afterwards, obviously, we have pretty extensive conversations. Like, we've probably spent cumulative, like, you know, seven, eight hours (laughs) since the event breaking it down and, and kind of doing that with other people in my circle. And, uh, and I actually wrote, I was thinking about posting it. I don't know. It ended up being really personal. And that's why I remember I told you, I wrote like basically a recap to myself of like, Hey, what the heck just happened? And that kind of helps me do two things. Number one, compartmentalize it and be like, this was awesome. And, and really get to have the full effect of that experience. But number two, I think it really helps me find some direction in my training going forward. And, I left this event, obviously I said, and I left this event, right? You go in training to win. And and any competitor, right, if you're not outright winning something, it's really hard to be super jazzed up about your performance. Sometimes even if you are winning something, it's hard to. And that all is still super true. Uh, but I learned a ton. And I felt, if anything, like not disheartened in any way. I felt like hardened. I felt like, wow, I could change these little things, not really have any difference in my fitness whatsoever, but these executional things, and I could have placed a lot higher. And not to mention, if I train for a whole nother year, I'm going to be a lot fitter. And so like, I left like, honestly, and even right now, like very motivated to like, hey, let's work even harder. Let's figure out where we can make this even better, right? It's the same way that like, you know, someone, if they plateau out here, say like they have lost a lot of weight and they can't lose weight anymore. Like you got to reevaluate like, hey, where in my life am I maybe stagnant or where can I make a change to improve? And there's a laundry list of stuff after an event like this that I can improve on. And so that reflection really helps. And that, that is something that I have and am still doing, I guess. Are you looking specifically at an event or a date of like a, a a period of time, you know, I, and, and seasonally with the games and maybe people listening, know this but we've got the crossfit games august 1st the week of and then the the open is in october yep and so are you like is that something you're looking towards next or have you even thought that far ahead great question um so that's kind of the next step uh i'm actually next week planning to have a meeting with my coach connor um and we're going to break that down break down the next season kind of what uh specifically we're going to be doing training wise until then um Right now, I'm kind of finishing off. Uh, it's Thursday right now, and the competition was a week and a half ago. Uh, and so I'm taking two weeks to basically just train by feel. I, I've done a few class workouts, which I really love to do, but when you're so focused, sometimes it doesn't always complement what you need to do. Uh, so getting to just, you know, like... Uh, decompress. Decompress and do things for the love of it instead of for the pressure of, hey, I need to be competing right like at this time, and I need to be prepared for it. And, um, and is the 2020 CrossFit Games the big goal right now? Uh, I'd say the big goal is winning the CrossFit Games. Um, and I would say there's not really a timeline on that, right? It's it's doing what I need to do to be the very best with every given day I can. And so every day, what that looks like on a very micro scale, you can just kind of extrapolate that further and further and further, right? And that's like, Hey, making the right decisions eating wise, getting to bed at a good time. That's, hey, showing up for my training at the right time so I can warm up and cool down how I need to and working as hard as I need to and putting myself in environments that make me work as hard as I can. Um, and so, yeah, all with this overarching goal, right, that uh, I want to be the very best in this, right? And I, I think that's okay to do. Uh, that's something I actually, if I can be completely honest, I used to struggle with a lot. Like, hey, is that too selfish to want to be the best at something? And I, and I actually think, that couldn't be more opposite. I think I've been, you know, that I have the uh, talent. Obviously I, I've been gifted with some talent for this and I have obviously a really big passion for competing um, and being an athlete. Um, and, and I'm finding, I think I have some opportunity there too. So it's a big trifecta. I think actually I'd never heard, I, I found that's actually a pretty common articulation of things. I'd never actually heard it articulated. I think you mentioned that one time to me, Charlie, and that changed the, I, whereas I'd always kind of had that thought that, really put it in a good frame for me and so I feel like with competing and all my circle of like around me as I evaluate I think they agree that I have those three things and 
at least for right now, it's something worth chasing. And so that's what I'm doing. Josh, um, man, just kind of in closing, I have so much respect for you. Thanks, Charlie. Respect I, for you too. I am grateful that you took time to share this experience. And I personally am just excited to continue to watch you chase your dream. And I want to tell you one thing that I think is worth being on while we're recording is to watch you do this and be as good as you are, but remain as humble as you are. Thanks, man. And have the genuine, authentic, just joy for life and people and and what you pour out to us. And I say us as a community, like what you give this gym and so many others gg grandma <laughs> shout out <laughs> and, and shout all, out. everybody who has the gift of being in your presence um thank you for that because yeah. you do it so well so thanks for coming thanks. on today uh, can i say a couple words yeah of course. yeah um well number one if we're gonna shout out gg shout out abuelita <laughs> she speaks only spanish but she would need to she would love to hear that abuelita cha-cha and um <laughs> other thing is uh just to the community i just want to say uh just thank you i'm I, like this whole experience has made me feel supported in, in just so many ways. And obviously it's such a small blip on like much bigger things that can be going on in someone's life. Uh, but for me, it's, it's just been so touching to, to have so many good people. And I think they know who they are uh, that have really just helped me out. And even people that like, like we're thinking about it or watching the live stream or, or I'm encountering on a daily basis. It's, it makes it a pleasure to show up here and to work and to, be able to coach and be able to be a small piece in, in their lives right and it's something where that was always the case but when you come out of a situation like this where so many people are outpouring towards you it's just it makes that even better and so I just I wish I had a better way to say I'm just really grateful and I love being in the position where I'm in every day Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle.